I actually have beef because I'm like oh, super love. with uh, with uh, with kids. Okay. So they do all of the miniatures for all of Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder, right? But they've been doing they've got like this new set for D and D fifth ed, right? With the Monster Menagerie one, two, and three, yeah. and and all of oh, that, yeah, right? Yeah, so sure. so you're with me on this. Oh yeah. yeah. There is one Tabaxi, there is one Kanku, and there is one Goliath. Just get creative with some green stuff and put it on there and paint. Wait, not everybody can do that, and what they should. I'm coming in. Okay, I'm, I'm sitting down. Oh, hi, Terry. What are you talking about? Uh, he's losing his crap about something stupid again. About Tabaxi and Kanku. About about WizKids not giving us the appropriate minis that we need to be able to play. They can only make so many molds before they you have to break them down and make new ones. I'm already frustrated by this nerd conversation, and I want to move on to something else already. So we can revisit Tabaxi and Kanku minis, but we were talking about combat today. All right. So okay. combat's what we're going to talk about. Okay. Because everybody reaches out to, I think... Probably all of us now on different social media platforms, Instagram being our main one, talking about combat and how to make it more fun. Should we do the intro music before you keep going on with an intro? Okay. Okay, let's do the intro music. Welcome to It's a Mimic with your DMs, Adam, Dan, and Terry. Thank you for playing that live, Dan. That was yeah, amazing. No worries. So everyone keeps reaching out to us talking about combat and how can we make combat more fun. Well, tonight there's three dungeon masters coming in your ears, so we can. Uh, no phrasing, phrasing, <laughs> not that one. Phrasing, not that one. All right, okay. yep, keep going. Yep. <laughs> so let let's help the people. How can we make combat more fun? Should we roll for it? Yeah, uh, roll. Okay, roll for it. Oh. Suckers. <laughs> Nineteen. Right. Want to hear more of Terry's voice? All right. How do we make combat more fun? I, well, I think there's a few different ways, but the big one for me is environment. Because I feel like, or environment, terrain, map, however you want to say Because I feel like lots of times people are struggling with how to make their combat fun. The people that are, are fighting in big open square rooms, which I've talked to you guys about before, or or plain open meadows and fields. And it's I find it's the environment that makes combat more fun. A challenging environment, whether you're being like, rocky crevices and, and things like that and your little tight hallways or that you're on a volcano and this thing's blowing up all the time or the ceiling's falling down yeah like at the top of the initiative there's a there is a specific environmental trigger or right. something that happens like almost like a layer action yeah but... you guys were fighting it with uh geysers going off around you a couple of weeks yeah ago, right? yes yeah. yeah and and they should have effects like if it's a geyser it should be shooting you 40 feet up in the air and dropping you, right? Yeah, like, because that's where you're... I mean, all of the characters have all of their different abilities and you have certain strategies, but that's where you really have to think and you have to think on the fly and that's what makes it more challenging. If you're in a big square open room, then everybody just gets to cast their spells, affect the area, and then it's it's there's no challenge there. Right, so what do you do, though, besides, I mean, big, small, square corridor? What are your other options? I think that, and this might sound like a very simple answer, but I think it's one that people aren't doing, is look at what you see around you. We're fortunate enough to live in British Columbia where we're surrounded by ocean, mountains, wide open fields, forests, and so we can kind of see these different environments around us. But I think you just have to not be afraid to, to just use what you see around you. And, and that'll make it more interesting. Yeah. Well, and look at the battle map as well. Like if, if you are planning an encounter and say you're in a you know old keep in a long hallway, well, throw things in there that fit the theme of that area to be an environmental hazard, like 
have some ballista in a hallway and start making shishkubobs out of your players. Like, do stuff like that. One of the other things, things interesting that we also don't think about when it comes to environment, and that I always try to do as a DM is think three D, because we always look at a battle map, and the battle map is two dimensional, and you see distances. But man, you put your spellcaster up on a platform that they can't get to. Mm-hmm. What are they going to do, mm-hmm. right? So there's always a ledge or uh, arrow slits on the other side of the door that they can see through. Picture your walls, right? You Sure, you can fight in a corridor or you can fight on a narrow bridge. It's essentially the same battle map, but one of them's got bigger consequences, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. And then, and then when it comes to your enemies, the monsters, essentially, most of the time having home field advantage in that the environment that you're in is going to be their home. So when we fought a lot of shambling mounds recently and they were coming up in and out of the water and it was like whack-a-mole, lethal yeah. style... That, that makes it more challenging as well because you're in their house. So you, you it can't, they're, why would they just be in a big open room? They and, wouldn't be. And it doesn't even have to be that, uh, like shambling mounds in a swamp. It doesn't have to be more a natural thing. Like if you're fighting a bunch of kobolds in a keep, well, they're going to activate traps on you while you're fighting them, right? Like so you're, you'll be fighting them in the hallway and all of a sudden the ceiling will collapse because they pulled something. Like really engage your party with the environment that you're doing it's yeah yeah and i also think um it's just to kind of piggyback off that as well is is to try and think like the monster so you mentioned kobolds they're gonna they're gonna want to use traps and fight in an environment where they can do that kind of thing mm-hmm. some creatures are just feral and will just rip you apart and they're dumb and they'll run through the fire and off the cliff yeah so but if you're going into a wizard's tower they're coming at you with some strategy yeah they've, absolutely they've set it up but I mean, that's not just for the, and this is frustrating for me as a DM, the players aren't, aren't playing with the environment either. Right. right. I want them to knock over the pillars and cave in the roof on the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that the players see their spell list or their abilities, they, that's it. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Okay. But we have um, different kinds of combat as well. Because I think lots of times, uh, I say newer DMs, but it's even experienced DMs that get stuck in a rut will just have that. Oh, you, you walk into a room and here's a, whatever, a mimic, for example. Uh, but the combat can come up in different ways, whether it be, you know, uh, duels or assassination missions or what, what kinds of combat do we have available to us to make it more interesting? Who's going? Dan? Oh, I guess that's my turn, huh? <laughs> I guess I rolled the next highest number with my 14. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to divvy it up into three kind of areas. There's aggressive combat, there's social combat, and there's strategic combat. And uh, this kind of answers the last question as well in the sense of um, with aggressive combat, you are in a big square room. You have a goal and it is to make that person at the other end that is being run by the DM or as the DM, the party. You are adversarial. You are fighting each other. You, it is just a straight slugfest. Mm-hmm. Then there's a social encounter where you drop the weapons and you go, hey, we're going to talk this one out through initiative. Because I really find that uh, most combat situations are mostly defined of if you're rolling initiative to start it it's combat right right whether it's aggressive social or or uh strategic mm-hmm. now my favorite kind is the strategic kind of combat where you have swords you have magic everyone's slinging and fighting but there is a goal you are trying to stop x you're trying to rescue or recover y you are trying to interrupt z you are trying to do all these things while the fight is going on, there's a strategic plot aspect to the encounter. Right, for the player. How do you design that as a DM, though? How do you design that as a DM? Uh, you just, you really have to put that extra little bit of thought into uh, the goal or the plot of the fight. 
You like are, if it yeah. if, if it's a random encounter where they're walking down the a forest trail and they get jumped by kobolds. Okay, why? Why are these kobolds sitting on the next sitting around a uh, road? Why are these? Uh, what do these kobolds want to get? Like ask the five W's. You know. How are they there? Oh, well, they're hiding. That's not a W. What are they wow. doing? Why are they there? <laughs> Who are they? That's a big question. And, uh, well, I mean, when? Now. Right so, now. Roll when you're talking, yeah, yeah, no, but, but hold on. I want to I address that. Because when, a lot of the times, what we don't think about is, why now? Why is the Why are we having this encounter right now? Now, mm-hmm. um, sometimes it's going to be a patrol. Sometimes you come mm-hmm. across a sentry. Sometimes the bad guys are hunting you, right? So I, you talk about all the motivation and stuff. It's not just about what time of day. When is also why now? Yeah. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that. When how how important why is. Yeah. I think why is a far more important question as a DM than it is so much as a player. Right, but that's where you're dropping your hints and your clues and everything. And that's the, why that's it's the, important for a DM. Yeah, but that's why the... But the players need to be asking it. But like in terms of uh, setting things up and like those first kind of drives to an encounter, the first question is you got to ask is why, right? Sure. Like why are they getting jumped in the middle of the road? Even if you're randing on a ro- rolling on a random randing, randing on a rolling table, you're rolling on a random table. Even if even if you're doing that, like you should be able to answer why you're fighting the two mesoliths in the middle of a swamp. Well, I'm always big on, there's random tables and then there's random in quotation tables, you know? So it's <laughs> yeah. like, it, it's part of your narrative. I th- Adam, I think you do this quite well. It's like, it's a random encounter, but that thing may have happened eventually to us. So we had an NPC that we discovered had some sort of disease. We might not have found out that day. It might have been a week later. It might have been three days before. But it came up on the random encounter table. Yeah, any time that I'm throwing together a random encounter... I'm okay. So here's something that I do, and I'm going to give a really simplistic version of it. If you guys are hunting orcs through the countryside, and um, you know that they've kidnapped somebody and you're chasing them down, but this is orc territory. My random encounters are not owl bears. Yeah, they're going to be uh, orc patrols, orc scouts. You came across an outpost, mm-hmm. right? Which one of these? And it could just be you find a corpse riddled with orcish arrows. Or you see a sign yeah, in, not in the Not all random encounters have to be common. Yeah, exactly. Right, and that, that's a big thing. And so I do things like I throw down um, that one where somebody got a disease. I didn't know which one of these um, NPCs you're going to be with when you guys rolled, oh, this disease hit. And it happened to land on, on our Kenku, mm-hmm. right? So now they've got this plague, and it's a Kenku plague, but if it had been an elf... Just when you found a mini for them. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> but, but if it had been an elf, that would have been bad. If it had been a gnome, well, we have a gnome in the party, and now there's a gnomish plague, right? Yeah. Like it, There it, was just one. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I didn't know if, if we landed on a dragonborn, mm-hmm. uh, if you guys were with a dragonborn and you'd rolled a disease, the dragonborn in the party is now... Going to get sick, and now we have a whole new subplot. We yeah. got to go and yeah. solve this, right? So I put that in there on purpose to either slow you down or speed you up. Yeah. Right? Now, in in the uh, Dungeon Master's Guide and other books, there are random tables to roll on. You could you like you could take that extra step of prep, and you can use uh, create your own, like you were saying. But if you're in a moment where the party has gone off the reservation, they've gone completely off your plan and you're rolling random tables for this jungle that you didn't expect them to run in, just try to think of a creative reason why they're coming across some dire apes. 
right? Like just you got to think of those reasons when you're going, yeah. right? It, it, you don't have to build a structured list with all these little idiosyncrasies and everything else. You're, you're right, but they also have in the um, Monster Manual, they have a chart of um, enemies by CR, Yeah. right? And so if, if everybody decides, hey, you know what, I prepped this jungle routine, and then everybody decides, no, you know what, we're, we're going to a swamp, right? Or yeah. whatever. Okay, great, now what? Well, I flip it open. What level are you guys? And I start at that level, and then I work my way into um, uh, lower, lower levels. So I'm looking for the next thing that's in the swamp. Is there anything that's CR 13, because you guys are level CR 13, that would live in a swamp? No? What about CR 12? No? What about CR 11? And I work my way backwards from there because it's already built in inherently that you would, in theory, run into one of these. Run into one of these yeah. things. And then the random encounter, the first time that you run into it, you run into evidence of it, Right. Or you run into an NPC with tales of this monster that should be in this this area. Yeah, to b- right? build the tension as well. It's, you know, so the the combat itself becomes more interesting when you get there because the tension's been built up. But the combat dynamics, um, different ways we can make the combat interesting by doing it in different styles. So Dan, earlier you talking about strategic combat's your favorite type. Um, I like the combat as well, where the the goal is not necessarily just to kill all of the bad guys. It's the bad guys are coming, we have to get out of this room because we're going to lose. Or the bad guys are coming, but we have to complete this puzzle while we're in here. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't always have to just be stand and bang, whichever side wins. There can be something else going on at the same time. Yeah. Um, I, I think it really comes down to how you've planned your um, your monsters, your, your enemies coming in. Like I say, uh, and what are the conditions for winning? As well. Is yeah. this a duel? Is this to the death? Are you going to kill four of the five goblins and the fifth one's just like, nope, bye. Mm-hmm. Right? And if you let him go, is he coming back with reinforcements? Yeah. One of my favorite things to do is attack in waves. Because as soon as the players relax and say, hey, we're done. No, you're not. You blew your big spell and now the bigger guy is coming. Because you, you didn't um, sneak your way in here. Everybody knows that, sure, they rang that bell... And you guys killed the guy, but he rang that bell. Yeah, that's right? escalation yeah. as well. Yeah. Because we're talking about how to make combat more fun. Because one of the biggest things you hear is, uh, okay, the combat started. Here's the big bad, couple of minions, and then we went for a few rounds, went for a few rounds, and now we're just chipping away at hit points, and it de-escalates. So that escalation you're talking about, whether it be waves um, or even the monster changes form into his final form or whatever <laughs> to make it more interesting. That esca- Something needs to change as you're going through yeah. the combat. And a lot of the times it can be environmental. We keep talking like with the geysers, right? Yeah. Like that was just, even when you were done, the geysers are still going yeah. off, right? Yeah. Get out of here. It could also be a goal. It could be a plot point. Like, yeah, you're, you've been dragging this fight out for 10 rounds, but now he's completed the ritual and you really need to stop the blank from coming through mm-hmm. the portal yeah or that volcano is going to blow yeah. in one minute and you, you know? need to get out of there so yeah. like but figure it out but even staying in combat though like the combat has ended but the combat itself isn't necessarily over you're still in initiative and there are still guys coming one of the things that that you guys did recently um dan you were away for this session was you guys ran through and killed a bunch of gnolls in some sewers. Yeah. And one of the gnolls turned around and went, oh shit, and ran. 
and then grabbed reinforcements. So we ended on a cliffhanger with you guys trapped in a dead end. And with I like, blew a ninth level scroll to <laughs> save you. But there were, what, like 40 gnolls outside the door yeah. with like dire hyenas. There was no way you were getting out of that by conventional means. 42, I think. <laughs> yeah. Adam sent me a message halfway through the week that week and went, so you're not allowed to miss any more sessions <laughs> yeah. because a knoll got away and you're their ranger. And I'm like, oh, okay. I think my plan was like burning hands or something. I was oh. like, we're going to open this door and I'm going to cast burning hands. Eat this 15-foot cone. Yay. <laughs> but, but yeah, you have to have kind of a different objective that is always moving. It is always consistently mm. um, shifting. And... One of the things, I don't know, where do you guys get your inspiration for shifting objectives? Inspiration for shifting objectives? I make it up as I go along. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, Captain, I don't prep. <laughs> yeah, Captain, I don't prep. Uh, I have a game tomorrow that is a uh, large boss battle, hopefully, depending on what happens. And I think I've done maybe four minutes of total We're going to have, I thought. think, multiple podcasts on your... I think Adam <laughs> and I agree that your, your uh, technique for DM just gives me anxiety. Madness. <laughs> madness. The people yeah. don't deserve it. But, do, do you mean shifting objectives as for your story arc or within that one? With, within the combat, all right? So, you, so you've rolled initiative. Everyone is getting in it now, and they're uh, like face-to-face with the enemy. Mm-hmm. People are dropping left and right. Yep. Blood is being spilled. But you're in now, you're in round six. Yeah. And you have been hacking and slashing for the last six rounds. Yeah. What's going to make round seven different? You have to understand that the objectives are changing on both sides. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, what's our objective right now? We're trying to steal the magic MacGuffin. That person's trying to protect it. Okay, they're dying. Now they're trying to escape. Okay, so now we're chasing them. But now their allies have come back. They've turned around. Now they're attacking us. Now we're trying to escape. So <laughs> I think that when you understand that the objectives are changing on both sides, it will naturally flow. And you will have more tension. You'll have that escalation naturally. And it'll, it will make it more fun, which is the goal. Well, all right. I'm, and I'm, like, well, there's also the little ass. Sorry to interrupt you. Haha, <laughs> I win. Um, there's also remembering that the player's co- uh, actions have consequences further than that thing's bleeding heavily now yeah like there's going to be further consequences like if you're on a boat and you cast a wall of fire Mm -hmm. um you're not on a boat anymore that's a bad idea yeah Yeah. and you should feel deep shame for casting that wall of fire on the boat because now everyone's in danger right like there there are further actions and consequences too but i'm very big on being firm but fair with consequences as well like it's on them but but i'm looking at it as well though it can be positive things like you're not always burning the boat you're on or like cutting the rope bridge out from underneath your wizard or whatever (laughs) it is you're doing there, there are other ways that you can go about it like what happens if you kill the boss before you kill all the minions what do the minions do? They bow down? Do they surrender? Do they sapuku? And down they go? Yeah. Like, what, what, what are they doing as a result? Do they scatter? And I think that as the DM, you have to be prepared for that. Absolutely. Happening. What is the nature of these? The kobolds yeah. are likely going to start to praise you. You know, the, yeah. the, the goblins are probably going to sit there and be like, oh, you're the new king. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Whereas the gnolls are going to be like, well, I guess I'm I the guess, new boss. Yeah. Let's go. Right. I'm yeah. chief super strong. Yeah. 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 Here, here we go. So you have to understand the nature of the, of the creatures that yeah. you're putting out there. Well, yeah. One of the other things that I like to do is hide a healer in the mix. So the big boss goes down and everyone scatters there or they get filled with the bloodlust of the boss going down and everybody runs forward except that one guy that runs back to the boss and goes, Bloom. yeah. 
and now is healed, mm-hmm. right? And now you are back in initiative and this just got so much worse because the bad guys are in a blood frenzy and, and the boss is, you know, running out the back door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Or you end up with a squad of 20 goblins and you're trying to figure out how to, exactly. you know, escape the dead island with 20 goblins. Well, let's t- let's tie all this up in a neat package with all of those buzzwords we just said. So how do we make combat more fun? I said environment. We talked about that um, a little bit. Um, changing objectives, changing in dynamics, um, understanding the objectives of both sides. And anything I've missed? Yeah, man. I could, talk about, takeaways? I could talk about this for, for hours. What are we... 20 minutes in. We're this? at 20 minutes in. So we got we got time. We got time. All right. Do you guys want to hear me wax poetic? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, should we do should we do some shout outs first? Sure. Shout out time. Operating out of Australia, Dungeon Delver Designs makes custom dice boxes for all of your dice rolling and storage needs. Adam, Dan, and Terry enjoy rolling for initiative in their custom boxes. You can find Dungeon Delver Designs on Facebook, follow them on Instagram, and be sure to check out their Etsy store at Dungeon Delver Designs. Do you want to pimp your Instagram page? Sure. Yeah. Follow me on Instagram at sendnoobsdnd. Can you spell noobs? N-O-O-B-S. Thank you. Thank you. So that's all one word, send noobs. Send noobs. Sounds like send boobs. But don't. Send noobs. <laughs> uh, with, with pregnant pause. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So before we start focusing on boobs... Um, I wanted to talk about one of the kind of outside the box ways that I have dealt with combat and coming up with interesting and different ones. And that's by looking at board games. Ooh. And one of the things that... I turned my chair towards you. <laughs> uh, one of the things that uh, inspired me was Battleship. I grabbed that for a uh, session you guys will probably remember. You remember evacuating the castle and there was a great big map. It was a grid and there were different buildings with different objectives. Oh, Castle Yim. Yeah, yeah, and, and you guys evacuated it. I sat there and I looked at this giant grid of the battleship saying, we don't know where the ships are, we don't know where the population is, but we got to go in and we don't even know how many shots it's going to take to do this. Yeah, How can I turn that into a D&D map? So it stopped, that encounter stopped being about traditional combat and it started to be about social encounters and using abilities to evacuate a town, but then there were cultists hiding in there as well right so we would drop into combat every once in a while yeah. and it uh that was one of the big things for me was i often look at at uh at board games as a matter of fact i think that um you guys ran into a surgeon who was harvesting body parts yep recently mm. and that was because i was looking at operation on the table <laughs> and i'm not joking that's all it takes for me sometimes to just no, but that's good because you're you're getting people to think outside of the box and and to look at what's around them for inspiration, and that's that's perfect. I think that's great. I'm going to do that now. <laughs> you're just going to like go through... pandemic. Yeah. Yep, it's plagues now. Scrabble. <laughs> no, but why not? Why not well, have yeah, a room yeah. puzzle, right? Yeah. So so there's all sorts of stuff uh, in there. The <laughs> you guys are going to love this. Uh, I was watching the latest Ninja Turtles movie, which I absolutely hated. Um, wait, wait, the latest Ninja Turtles movie? Yeah. Oh, the, the one with... Uh, I don't even know which one. The, the, the Green Arrow? The, the, the one with Stephen, Stephen Amell playing Casey Jones? I have no idea what you're talking about. I think I zoned out anything no. there. That Was, was, was that, Megan Fox playing April O'Neil? Yeah, but it's a sequel. Is she still in it? Yes. Thank God for you, Megan Fox. Shout <laughs> out to Megan Fox. But <laughs> Thank you. But I was watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, 
and thinking um, about what we were going to do next. And you guys were going into, you'd fought a whole bunch of goblins. Um, and I didn't know what was at the bottom of, of this these tunnels that you guys were fighting these goblins through. All I knew was that they worshipped snakes. And so I decided to make them mutants as well. So I, that's how I ended up with snake-like mutant goblin cultists. Yeah, oh, I remember those. They were, yeah. Those were disgusting. Yeah. But yeah, I see what you're saying. <laughs> But but I the well, idea the that really of, threw me for a loop is there's UNT who basically had all of the same powers that the goblins did. You just kind of went, it's a goblin UNT sort of thing. Well, sure. I, I didn't even look at the UNT. I find the UNT to be a radically different mindset. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to to stick with the goblins. But I was sitting there going, you guys are fighting goblins that are mutants, right? And I am sitting here watching Ninja Turtles, and I'm like, okay, they're they're kind of man, kind of kind of turtle. What can I do to make it kind of goblin, kind of snake? Yep. And the body horror got real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. Oh man, yeah. So stretched bodies. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. Turn around a corner and there's a goblin with a snake tail, just a goblin yeah. head, snake tail, and you're just like, ah, giant green sperm. <laughs> <laughs> um, just one. Yep. And the other one, you guys should remember the uh, the whack a mole. Session that you had where there were actually you weren't there for that Terry. No, no, uh, your character was. You were unconscious. You were getting dragged away by cultists into a. a I know. I kind of remember where I was myself. Oh, day. this is this is the the cultists in Castle Yim. Uh, outside of Castle Yim, after the evacuations. Yep. yep. And uh, you guys had chased down to rescue the party members that were currently away on vacation, and uh, but they were teleporting in and out with uh, magic missile wands of magic missile. So they weren't blowing spells a lot. They just had tons and tons of magic missile. Yeah. And they would pop in and go, bam, 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 and pop out again. Oh, that would be so so it was oh. whack-a-mole for the entire session. And it was like uh, Dragonborn Paladin with just a pool mm-hmm. of hit points is just getting knocked down slowly. Yeah, the Barbarian couldn't rage because all of a sudden the bad guy's gone, right? The Ranger's Hunter's Mark is like, oh, now he's in the house somewhere that way. But I can't yeah. get to him. Yeah. Right? So it was... A totally different combat experience because I wanted to play whack-a-mole. No. So there are different ways to grab your inspiration. And if you allow yourself to think outside the box away from just initiative and... Well, not even just initiative. Like, think outside the box with your characters as well and your your monsters that you're putting your uh, your players up against. Like, just because, uh, say, like, uh, Misty Step is a level one abil- uh, spell... Is it level one? Two. Level two? Level two spell. Um, just because it's a spell and requires spell slots doesn't mean your guys can't do it every turn. Like, yeah, absolutely. Your bad guys can do whatever you want them yeah, to do. Yeah. Right? Like, like, feel free to tweak these things. Like, it, the rule books aren't really so much rule books as much as they are guidebooks. Just stay consistent. Definitely and, and, guidelines for sure. And that, especially that, things like stat blocks yeah. as well, where it's like... Remember, the, those standard stat blocks that you see in, like, the back of the player's handbook, monster manual, things like that, that's just ideas. That's yeah. just guidelines. Oh, this monster, this or this person has all of these spells. It doesn't need to be those spells. You can Choose even change it. spells. You can even change it in the moment if you make, want to. Make up a spell. You'd be like, it'd be really convenient <laughs> if they could teleport right now. <laughs> well, that, again, that's, that's not how I do it. But that is a perfectly valid way of doing it. Um... My favorite thing is to add uh, resistances mm-hmm. onto yeah. monsters that shouldn't have it and frustrate your local wizard. <laughs> yeah. Because there's nothing more frustrating than I cast Fireball and they made their deck save and they're resistant. Well, that's also, if you have a party of veteran players, 
mixing up your traditional monsters in little ways, like adding little resistances yes. or mixing up their spell slots, is a really good way to either re-engage them. Because I, uh, my, I like playing with new players typically, because new players they are engaged. They haven't checked out. Well, they have that sense of wonder. They, they still have that sense of wonder. When you describe the monster to them, they don't automatically know what it is. They're like, exactly. what is this? What's but, the floating eyeball with yeah. things coming out but, of it? But I think you're saying as well, is you're not you're not adding things or taking things away just for the goal of pissing people off. It's what you're saying, yeah, yeah, it, which is to, to reinstill that wonder. and pull yeah. people back into the combat. Put down your smartphone and fight the floating eyeball. Yeah. Okay, yes, it has teeth as well. That makes sense. Don't worry about it. This is a land of dragons. Yeah, but when you end up with these veteran players that have gone through the entire monster manual three times over, right, you have to throw some sort of variation at it. And a lot of the time, it's you can just... It's a big one. It's an undead one. Yeah. It, it's This one was touched by the plane of fire, which is why this... Water elemental has a fire resistance, or well, no, that's a bad example, but yeah, <laughs> it's a steam monster. Yeah, now. it's a steam monster. It's a, steam monster, yeah. but, but, it's a lightning elemental. <laughs> oh, so fun! But the thing about that is that it's not just, it's not just in the monster manual as well. And what a lot of people don't realize is that every one of these campaign settings, from your Tomb of Annihilation, your Out of the Abyss, mm-hmm. your Rise of Tiamat, all of them, they have more monsters in them. Yep. And so if you are at a dead loss for what to do next, pick up one of these campaign settings mm-hmm. because chances are good that if your players haven't played it, they don't know what the hell that thing is. Yeah. So you can bring out a no. giant uh, a giant from Storm King's Thunder and they're going to be like, well, wait a minute, all giants are large size that we've seen. Like, no, this one's huge. This, one, yeah. this one's yeah. gargantuan. Here they come, man. Yeah. And watch them panic. Right, so and that'll work for veteran players. That'll work for new players. Mm-hmm. Like, it it it's all just really good ways of getting everybody engaged. Mm-hmm. Mix it up a bit. Yeah. Um, the do you guys have anything else? Or am I, I still have gonna... nothing else for combat right now? Unless oh. you guys want to throw any more ideas in. Adam, well, we still got time. Yeah. Uh, one of the anything big... we want to roll the dice and roll initiative over. Uh, well, I got kind of a story. Okay, cool. So that's not really initiative. But before I launch into it, Dan, why don't you plug your Instagram? Oh, my Insta- my my lively, active Instagram. Yeah, you post. You- I post occasionally. I mostly do maps and stuff like that. I'm, I I kind of pale in comparison to the other two people across the table here in, in Instagram well, and social media presence. Yeah. But uh, at Oscar the Orc, that's me. Um, How do you spell Oscar? With a K, the way it's supposed to be spelled. Oh, Oscar? Also with... Also with the K at the end of Orc, like it's supposed to be. Okay. Listen, Warhammer. Calm down. <laughs> you also have uh, underscores in yours, too. Yes, right? yeah. So it's Oscar underscore the underscore Orc. Um, fans of Critical Role would be like, you stole that from Tusklove. No, I didn't. I had it first. Grr. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Completely over your head. Yeah. Terry understands. But uh, I understood that reference. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it. that's my Instagram and... Hopefully one of these days it'll be a little bit more active, but right now. Adam, you want to throw your Instagram out there? You yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm at Rusty Styrofoam. How did you come up with that name? <laughs> do you know? Are you prompting I know. You? I'm prompting you. Oh, okay. Um, do you, do <laughs> Way to you know? ruin the magic. So it's uh, at Rusty Styrofoam, and it's because when I was doing, a, I, I was throwing together a social media account, 
and I freaking hate social media. I'm bad at it, and I don't like it. You're and actually so, very good at social media. You really are. Well, no, I just ramble. So And win giveaways. And win giveaways. But the uh, I didn't want to get it stuck in my teeth. So I thought about the two things that I didn't want stuck in my teeth. So every time I log in, I'm like, oh, yeah, right. This leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And I thought rust would be horrible to have a mouthful of, and so would styrofoam. I thought it was because you were ginger. Everybody, that's what you said too. Everybody says it. Ah, God damn. <laughs> okay, real quick story. My grandma didn't like my name, my great-great-grandma. She yep. didn't like Dan. She didn't like Alex because my middle name is Alexander. Um, so she was like, okay, I don't like that. I don't like that. You've got reddish blonde hair, so your name is now Sandy. And she just oh, chose no. to call me Sandy oh, no. when I was growing up. Sanford. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. I'm and my great Sanford from now yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> You're not allowed. That's my great grandma's thing. And she. Is Sanford hanging out should with be your next D and D character. Sanford would be. A Sanford sounds like a human fighter. Human? No. Sanford would be a human artificer, I think. Well, say that word again, yeah. please. Artificer. We just got artificer. British up in here. Say that once more time. Artificer. Uh, artificer. Artificer? Artificer. Why are you saying it with Ar- D's? Because <laughs> it's artificial? Ar- artificer? No. It's Sorry. Artificer. <laughs> it's artificer. I've, I've also heard artificer, and that always makes me twitch as well. Uh, but uh, anyway, story time with Adam. Hey! Um, it was long before you knew Dan. Um, we were playing in uh, Barovia, in Ravenloft, in the Curse of Strahd campaign. Mm. And one of the most fun combats that we had... You allowed us for sessions ahead of time to plan a siege of the castle. Now, for those that are listening, no spoiler warning on this because... Oh, you're talking about my combat. I thought yeah. you were talking about one that Dan... No, 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 no. I was all like, I never ran a straw with you. No, 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 no. It was long before you met Dan, and it was one of the best combats ever. And so what he's trying to say is I ruined combats. You ruined you, yeah. your twenty five yeah. years of D and D experience have amounted to nothing. <laughs> so, um, but you let us plan this siege, which is not anywhere in the campaign no. module. We went totally off the rails. On Our curse of stride was more. It was in Barovia, and there was a vampire. Uh, That's yeah. about it. <laughs> it was, and it was one part romance. Um, Shout out to Jess again. Yeah. yeah, and and it was five parts war gaming. Yeah. At that point, like, it was insane. But you allowed us to run around the map and find allies. And we were filling barrels with holy water and getting were-ravens to drop them on zombies. So we had, an, our, like, an aerial assault factor to yeah, this. Yeah, coming in from three fronts. Yeah. It was a team going under the castle, going through the sewers yeah, and then coming yeah. up. And then there was an aerial assault with this, dropping these holy water bombs. And then there was the, the, the main gates. The frontal stage. gates where the uh, the werewolves went and blew up the front gates. And then everybody ran forward and did this big siege. Except for me, because I was the dwarf and everyone else was moving 30 feet and I'm moving 25. <laughs> so on my turn, I run forward. There was like a 100 foot gap. Like, I run forward. And it's just like, by the time I got there, everything else was done. So my, my dwarven cleric just like showed up like, heels? Heels? Anybody heals? But it was so much fun to actually play because the other thing that you did, which then I stole and it's on steroids for me now, is I allow people to run NPCs. Yeah. If the player's not in the combat, like Terry's saying, like there were three assaults here. Yeah, we had some people in the air, some people on the ground, some people underground in the catacombs that were all sieging. And so 
as well as we actually had someone undercover inside the castle as well. Yeah, that's right? true. We did. Yeah, it was actually good because we were kind of we were moving between the groups, but it was like well, the team that was going into the catacombs would go so far, and then it'd be like you'd hear a you hear a loud boom because something had happened before on top. So it was like timing it together. It was but, really but, good. But the only player that was underground. And you did this as a new DM. Yeah, it was amazing. That is ambitious as hell. Yeah, it, it kind of just snowballed. <laughs> <laughs> I, knew it. I was like, I think there was a few moments during that campaign where I was kind of like probably visibly going, oh shit. <laughs> but it was really good because the only player that was underground, the only player character, was the monk. So everybody else had come in as a named NPC that had a personality that we, we were told, this is who they are, this is what they do, and we have to play them in combat. And it made for some really interesting encounters underneath because, A, you're going to be a little more risky because you don't care about this this character necessarily. Well, your character cut his eyeball out after finding a magic magic item eyeball and just went... He had a twin brother with yeah. him, right? And they just went, okay, which one of us is cutting our eyeball out? Like, they just found it. So that's yeah, being they rock, they rock, paper, scissors, and, and it goes. Yeah, so it was... Uh, but it was so much fun to go in there... Because at one point we blew up a druid in a tree, in like a tree mech. Yeah. It was insane. So there's a little druid head inside this giant like tree and it's battling. And so we blew up the room. The tree is on fire. The druid is screaming and it busts through the doors and is running through the main corridor <laughs> as the guys out front kick open the main door and they're like, we're here to fight that. And this screaming tree <laughs> running towards it and like, gets within five feet, falls over and just burns and dies. And that's it. And it was the most, and that's how the two factions came together. And it was so entertaining and so much fun that we were like consistently being dragged into the next thing. Every time we hit this moment of, of um, the climax of the battle, Pause, go to the next thing. Yeah, and I was yeah. kind of throwing that, almost that one-shot mentality at it, which was we just go balls to the wall on one thing, and then it was like that would come to a natural pause, like I said, and I was like, okay, we got to move over here because we knew that this whole team was on the outside of the castle, but the screaming German druid <laughs> was running through the hallway, so I was like, you guys got to stop. we got to go over here for a minute. But it was cool, too, because we were hunting down, and this is the other thing that I wanted to bring up really quickly is, we were hunting down the different levels of bad guy. Not only were there zombies, which is, I mean, whatever. We were level six, seven, eight, somewhere around yeah, there. Around about there, yeah. Um, and the zombies are nothing. You put a horde of them out, they're still kind of scary. Yeah. But we also had an army with us, right? So, so, so zombies. All these minions, but then there was also um, he had uh, well, there's Strahd, who's the boss, but he also had lieutenants. Mm-hmm. And every time we ran across a lieutenant, it's, okay, we got to murder this guy right now. Before he goes and gets Strahd. And we ended up clearing the whole castle until it was Strahd and two lieutenants and a handful of minions trapped in a tower. And we are chasing them up and down the tower. We have, like, the our aerial unit is on top of the tower waiting for them to come out. They won't go out because they don't want to fight the aerial ones. So they're fighting their way down the tower as we're fighting our way up. It was madness. It was mm-hmm. insanity. But there was so much going on at any given time. That was the peak of Terry's panic. When all three of the groups came together, and I was like, because, you know, like, sometimes your plan has to change, and I was like, this was not supposed to happen in this tower. (laughs) Strahd was supposed to get, supposed to, quotations, supposed to get onto the roof, and then there was going to be a rooftop battle, rain, lightning, all that sort of stuff, but these guys trapped him in this tower, and I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) This is how it happens. Right, but being flexible uh, is one of the big keys, and having all of the different... 
um, levels of enemy because you have your mob enemies, your kobolds. That's a very different battle from an owl bear, mm-hmm. right? You got your brutes, you got your mobs. Uh, fourth edition really had it kind of broken down. <coughs> yeah. Well, they had the minions, right? Yeah, and I love minions, and I with I love using minions in in fifth edition. You guys run into them all the time. You just don't know it. If it's a one hit kill, it was a minion at that one hit point, mm-hmm. right? So even if the monster has thirty hit points in the monster manual, you guys are level thirteen. I don't. I want you to one hit kill this. Move on to the next thing. If you're getting bogged down by an orc at level thirteen, I'm just dragging combat out at this point. Yeah. Right. So you can't. That's not minion. interesting. No, and that's not fun. Right, and so that's what we're talking about. Here's the different levels, and there are different kinds of enemies. It's not just like how tough they are. Are they ranged? Are they magical? Are they um, intelligent? Right, you can get into like I love that there's layer actions for all these things in the monster manual, but I like it better when the layer actions are for intelligent creatures. I want the layer action for the beholder. I don't care about a layer action for. I can't come up with one off the top of my head, but like the the if the Tarrasque had a layer action, I don't care. There's nothing to that, right? So, oh, the Tarrasque could have some cool layer actions. Yeah, but there's nothing to it. There's no intelligence behind it. When the Beholder pops his eye stalks out of the wall and looks at you, he knows you're there now, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. I think it's good to vary the enemy type, the resistant type, the and every combat should have a mixture of. Lieutenants, captains, privates, um, and occasionally a general. Um, but, I mean, it's dangerous throwing your generals into every single combat or you're yeah. going to die. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but if you make them intelligent enough, they're going to get surprise rounds. There's no surprise round of 5th Ed, but there is the surprised condition that you can get. Yeah. Right? So you can do, you can do ambushes. You can throw the healer to drag the boss away, like I said earlier. You can have... Everyone but the boss die, and now you're taking the boss captive. That's the other thing, actually, that we never talk about, and we don't even do it in our campaign that much, taking captives. Right. Right? I think I used to yeah. argue for that, and it just wasn't happening with our group, so I was like... Well, right, the thing was, you took a captive once, and then one of the other players came over and executed him directly like in front of you. Mm-hmm. I believe you caught the blade and then got your hand sliced open mm-hmm. and they're like, fine, you know what? Kill him. I'm going to take more damage for this. Yeah. But you guys have straight up murdered captives more times than I can count. Yeah. Dan just kicked three innocent girls into the freaking hole. Oh yeah. Wow. What? The fact that they were clones and husks and soulless and innocent. Yeah. Soulless. They were, they were clones of the evil dark priestess. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> we all have gonna, our own narrative. Not going <laughs> to hang this over me. And I left one alive just in case we could find, you know, Duke's soul. Okay. Okay, so I feel like we're coming to a natural end on the different things we can do here. So I guess the last question I would put out would be, if you have one sentence to summarize everything on how you make combat more fun, how would you do it? Um, do we want to roll for this? Sure. Sure. I botched. Well, oh, I, okay, I'm not going last. My sentence is going to be a run-on sentence, and you guys have to sit here for the next four minutes listening to me. <laughs> so uh, how's that different from the previous of, 20? There's a lot of commas. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of commas and semicolons in this sentence. Yeah. Um, variety is the spice of life, right? I guess if I, in, in one sentence, never do the same thing twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can be similar, but don't do it twice. Yeah. Uh, for me, it would be have... 
well, have a reason. Like, have a reason for your party to be in that fight. Have a reason, have some sort of plot device that they could use to further the fight, to keep the fight interesting. Whether it's some MacGuffin that they gotta get, or Mm -hmm. some damsel they gotta save, or some creature they have to slay. Like, have a reason for the fight, and have the players invested in that. Right. My last one would be, at the end of every round, DMs, ask yourself, what is changing with the combat dynamic? And if you keep it change, if you keep something changing every round, the combat will stay interesting. Now, can I go back to ranting about minis now? Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh God. So, look, if they okay, build no. a tabaxi that is going to be, it's a mimic podcast. We're out. If it's going to be good for rangers. Thank you for listening to It's a Mimic. Check us out online at itsamimic.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have questions you would like answered by the guys on the show? Send them an email to itsamimic at gmail.com. Tune in every Tuesday for more.